Hey everyone, and uh, welcome to another uh, Crossing Darkness podcast. This is uh, Season 2, Episode 4. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout, and with me is uh, Motor Rory. Hi everybody. Um, we are broadcasting over Twitch, uh, Sundays 7pm to 7.30pm Central Standard Time. And are uh, open with chatting with the fans during the show. Uh, we're going to kind of be a little bit freeform with this. Um, you know, we have a little bit of an agenda on what we're going to be talking about. Um, we're going to focus a little bit on uh, creating a game, you know, and uh, uh, a setting and basically try doing more world building here in the world of darkness, but uh, getting a little bit more uh, digging deeper into it and being a little bit more focused today than we were on our last podcast here. So, um, so actually, uh, Mike, do you want to kind of go into, um, you know, what your, what the base idea of what you're going to be talking about here today? Uh, so I'm going to talk about uh, a werewolf game that I designed a few years ago, but never ran, uh, unfortunately. Uh, might run it in the future, we don't know. Uh, it's a werewolf game set in the 60s inside our uh, Madison Under Siege mythos. Is, is that enough? Do you want more? Or is that cat messing with you? It's my cat's messing with me. So go ahead to continue. Uh, you want me to just yeah, do ahead. the whole thing? Well, yeah, just jump into your portion right now. <laughs> One second. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so so the Madison Under Siege mythos uh, is based in Madison, obviously. And um, uh, the original game was set in the early uh, 2010s. And we also did some, I believe, some games that were set in the 90s, but... I Honestly, can't remember at this point. Um, but at one point, I had the idea of taking some uh, historical events that happened in Madison and translating them into the world of darkness, and trying to figure out, like, okay, how would um, how would that have happened in the world of darkness, and how could I run a game surrounding that? So this particular game happens in the '60s. It is. Uh, basically, the climax happens during the bombing of Sterling Hall. Uh, do you remember oh, what yeah. that is about, Josh? Yeah, I do yeah. remember. So, was, uh... so at at the height of the the protests uh, against the Vietnam War in the late '60s, I believe it was the Weather Underground. I can't be entirely sure. Uh, I'd have to check my notes that I can't find. Uh, but they, they bombed Sterling Hall because Sterling Hall was, uh, I think they, it wasn't a contract, but it was something to do with a military, like tie-in. It was the, the math department was doing some work for, uh, for the defense department. And so they said, we're going to, we're going to bomb Sterling Hall and it probably wouldn't have been a big deal. But uh, somebody died. It was uh, a grad student that was working late. Like, it was like three in the morning or something. Uh, so I decided, well, what if that wasn't the bombing uh, done by the Weather Underground? What if it was something else? Uh, so I'm, I'm going a lot from memory here. The basic idea is there's a young 
female werewolf in Madison who goes through her first change a couple years beforehand. And then over the course of two years, you kind of play a series of games as uh, the werewolves of Madison that eventually leads to the discovery that this girl has been corrupted by a worm spirit uh, and the, the final confrontation with her new form happens at Sterling Hall. And the, the explanation after the fact is, of course, that the technocracy came in and covered it up. Uh, but now, as, as the players of this game, you would now know what really happened. Uh, and so you get to play various uh, werewolves in charge of the different tribes in the area. So I would come up with, you know, who was in charge of the Silver Fangs in that era. Uh, perhaps are there any old werewolves that are currently in our setting in the 2000s or late 90s who might have been young at the time? Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. Um, the, the most fun that I had researching it was trying to figure out what music to uh to play during games because the 60s of course was huge for music especially protest music uh it's i mean everything you hear on an oldie station is from that era well a lot of it at least uh so i did a lot of research into that um and and that really fits into the theme uh that i was i was trying to push with that game uh which i wrote it down the innocuous nature of corruption versus the appropriateness of redemption. Like, how much was it uh, that this person was corrupted, this girl? How much of it was the fault of her? How much of it was the fault of the characters? How much of, uh, how much of it was the fault of society in general? Uh, and then kind of consider the idea that is somebody beyond redemption? Uh, and, and really try to push those themes as you move through, you know, trying to prevent this girl's corruption or not prevent it, uh, as the case may be, uh, fighting the, the forces that are corrupting her and, you know, just a fun romp through the sixties. And then of course you get to read a bunch about the protest movement because lots of stuff happened here in the sixties. I got to ask my parents about it because because uh, my dad uh, he wasn't in Madison at the time, but uh, he was in college in the late '60s, and so I got to uh, ask them about that. Both of my parents. Uh, I think the most interesting thing was in that era there there was a lot of you know very similar to right now where there's just lots of protests going on. Uh, back in the 60s, cops used uh, tear gas all the time, apparently. And so one thing that you did was you carried around a little plastic baggie with a wet cloth. Because oh, if, really? you, if, if you randomly walked into an area that had been tear gassed, you could just pull out this wet cloth and put it over your mouth. Uh, and it would, it would at least lessen the effects. Um, yeah. <laughs> A lot of people know about that yeah. nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Although, uh, the, the thing was, at the time, 
you know, student groups, especially in Madison, were protesting, you know, government buildings, like, for weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it just, every once in a while, the cops would just shoot tear gas. Um, <laughs> so, you know, this... you, you go back and you get to, you get to read about what was happening at the time and figure out, like, okay, how, how did the werewolves in that area at that time interact with those events? Uh, it, it's actually one of the one of my favorite things about World of Darkness because it's set in our world. Uh, you get to research things, even if it's set in modern day. Like I've I've played in a mage game where we went all over the world, and you know, almost every session it's like you're looking up things on Google Maps, you're looking up things on Wikipedia, and you're learning things about uh, regions and history of of regions uh you know, yeah i the... definitely enjoyed a lot of the the like history uh you know you have to go back and kind of and not just you know you read something about history and then you kind of you have to go back and see a little bit further as to why you know and then in the world of darkness you want to create real you know you want to create connections that are beyond um simple decades worth of you know because usually it's like things are about a couple decades you know some things are much greater lengths of time that you have to kind of figure out but for games that i played in a lot of the times um you know you want to like cut you know connect everything back to you know what what the hell was going on five six hundred seven hundred years ago and why is that you know uh, resonating all the way throughout history to this point in time and that everything is all kind of connected um, to each other is what I have a lot of fun with with that. Um, but so is, is this something that you're uh, planning on playing at uh, conventions or over uh, Twitch? Uh, at this point, I'm not sure. Uh, I have to find my notes that I wrote. Uh, I think they're on an old computer. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, yeah, I, I could see it as a game we could play on Twitch or uh, maybe as a one shot at a convention. Oh, yeah. Uh, that would, that would be interesting. Um, the the one thing that I'd like to mention, though, uh, in terms of historical games, just as a quick aside, uh, over the past year or so, I think we stopped playing it about five or six months ago. Uh, a friend of mine, as his first campaign, ran a... Uh, It's a World of Darkness game set in the 1890s. Oh yeah, I remember in reading the, a lot about this. And this is how much I paid attention, because I can't remember what region it's in. But it's... I think it's kind of like north... Uh, northeast of Egypt. Because I played a Bastet, a, uh, a werecat. Uh, and there was... Jeez, why can't I remember? There was a were-bear. We were a bunch of were-creatures uh, who had been gathered by uh, this this person to to go on a quest. And, man, I learned so much about the 1890s and that region that I didn't know. Uh, and it's because this friend of mine, that's like one of his things is history podcasts. And that's one of the eras that, you know, there were, there were so many competing factions in the area uh, so we got to meet like lots of different historical uh, characters um, 
and he actually said he he wanted to do an episode of this podcast to talk about that game. Yeah, I would definitely enjoy uh, having him on, and we could do some uh, podcasting uh, about what you know about what he did in that game. And he, yeah, I, I've it's been a long time since I read the the stuff on that, um, but uh, but yeah, I remember like the the documents that he was putting out in emails, just to, like kind of as a like spectatorial like review of what you know what had happened um, was really awesome and just filled with lots of really good historical uh data mining like it just was epic um, yeah and actually that that game is the the reason i know about rivers that don't go anywhere uh there's there's a specific scientific name for it but it's essentially like uh snow melt or something that uh flows into a plane but it evaporates before it can get to any larger body of water. Um, and I didn't know that was a thing. And now I do because of that game. Nice. Nice. Um, so, so the setting for this for you would, so the game, the main game that you'd be using for this is Werewolf the Apocalypse, obviously. Um, would you include yeah. what other aspects of the world of darkness, if any, um, in this game would you include? Uh, well, let's see. Because it's in the Madison Under Siege uh, mythos, there might be some connection with Mage, uh, specifically because JD is is a relatively powerful character in Madison at the time, and he would have connections to at least one werewolf, whoever the werewolf is at the time, who's uh, the uh, the person who is the the delegate to the Gahara Pact. And just to be real quick on uh, an aside here real quick is what we mean by this is that although all the rules and all the games or all the stuff that he would be dealing with primarily would be werewolf aspect, we're not saying that he's in, in, taking the game mechanics of these other games and really, you know, trying to mesh it in or have other players play a, a mage or something like that in the game, but it's the concept of inside the world, um, in the world of darkness, it's very possible for you to say, I don't care about mage, I don't care about, uh, you know, hunter, I don't care about, uh, or hunter the reckoning. You know, but there are some main components in there that are, that are going to kind of stick around. Um, like, for example, vampire and werewolf are kind of intertwined with each other pretty strongly. Um, you don't have to let people play them or use any of the rules. Um, you know, the, the werewolf book covers how to handle vampires using... Uh, werewolf rules but you want to use their lore their concepts you know the what's going on maybe there's a few characters and stuff like that um, and even inside of what we're doing um, here is we're creating like a greater concept for us to pull from um, this Madison under siege setting um, but we as GMs when we go into these conventions and stuff are gonna modify and and use this we're gonna grab from that lore and then we're gonna use it in our games um, but we're going to modify it and change it however we want for these games. So, for example, um, he could go into this and say, I don't even want to talk about JD, or even that mages exist in this game at all. It doesn't matter. It's not something that's important. Um, you know, it's not necessarily that they're going to go out of the way to be like, okay, we're going to prove that there are no such things as mages in this game. That'd be a little weird, but it's the concept that you don't have to use them at all. Um, so yeah moving forward but, you're talking about so mage would be a, a little bit of what you'd be using of like jd yeah, and that's, this concept of a powerful mage in madison that's been manipulating yeah. stuff for but, hundreds of years 
Yeah. Do, do you have the feeling that people shy away from uh, putting like mages into a werewolf game or vampires into a mage game? Is that um, in general? I would say it, it's an interesting concept of this. Like, um, you know, people are very adamant don't don't mix games. Um, now, the thing about it is that that gets really muddled in this uh, concept of what does that exactly mean when it comes to the internet or Reddit and stuff like that. And there are people out there who will vehemently say, when you play vampire, don't there are no mages, there are no werewolves, there are nothing else. There's vampires. That's it. That's the only thing that matters. It's the only lore that you pull from. Problem with that is that vampire lore has mages in it. <laughs> it has werewolves. Yeah. It has I mean, all these other things that are going on. Like it, you can't, you it all can't depends hide. But mechanically, a hundred percent, people are vehement that you shouldn't mix mechanics. I'm a little bit more muddled on. You can mess around with doing some stuff with that um, in the background. My big thing as a GM is. Don't let a werewolf play in a mage game. Don't let a mage play in a uh, a different game. The mechanics are just not... They don't mesh with each other too well. You can try it. You gotta be... There's like... You have to have a mindset going into it that's, you know, prepared to have extremely complex stuff that's gonna like, you know, mechanically mesh or not mesh at all with your games. Yeah. Uh, Says the guy who ran... A time travel campaign with a group of mages that included a werewolf. Yeah, no, exactly, and I learned my lesson. So, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that it actually worked, it I worked, mean, but it was but, crazy. But the campaign did kind of. I felt like that campaign petered out at some point, but that was that wasn't because of the the gameplay. It was because of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, in any uh, case, and I don't. I don't think I've ever ran anything that was uh the players were mixed except for that one gen con game but that was a little different where it got that forced on us so yeah yeah one of our gms couldn't make it uh so werewolves were sitting at every other table right. um so anyways uh, it, so you yeah, were saying out. though that uh that you'd have a little bit of mage any other games that you would include that like that you would have npc type characters for in this game um, I would say I would not include Vampire, uh, just because I am not personally uh, comfortable with it. Um, and I also wouldn't include Hunter, obviously, because it's the 60s. I mean, you, you can only say that Hunter goes further back in time than the books do for so long. Um, uh, despite the fact that the, the main guy who creates the Hunter Academy later... His backstory is that he became imbued during the Vietnam War. Right. Uh, but I believe I had him coming back in the early 70s, uh, like 72, mm -hmm. uh, when, it, when it was starting to ramp down. Although I'm really shitty at history, so I don't know when the Vietnam War ended. <laughs> yeah, you better fact check yourself. No, it was the there. 70s. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, but you would mainly have uh, werewolf and maybe a little bit of mage. Uh, yeah, just and mostly because I'm comfortable with mage. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, and then you would have Madison as your main setting of your city, of course, for this and this and like the 1960s for your timelines. Do you have any like main NPCs that you would you would think about uh, throwing uh, in? So you said um, JD. Yeah. So, the, well, the 
the, the NPCs, uh, it, the, the story revolves around the girl, right? Uh, and I can't remember the backstory that I came up with for her. Um, uh, JD might show up because um, there's an investigatorial aspect to it and he would just be like a character you meet. Um, as for who the players are, you're mostly going to be uh, mid-level, like rank 3, rank 2 werewolves in the area. Uh, and so you might interact with some named characters that are like rank 4, maybe rank 5, probably just one. Uh, mostly from the Wendigo tribe, but there's also Silverfang, uh, Uktena. Uh, I think there were a few Fienna in the area, but uh, I, I didn't have any named NPCs that were specific to this game. Uh, the the main thing is the players are all like from Madison, and this is, you know, you know they are sent out to figure out what is going on, kind of a deal. Cool. Um... And oh, I I actually I do remember this. I had a sheet of 60s era slang and I was going to give people like uh, some sort of in-game bonuses for using slang. <laughs> nice. I can't remember what any of the slang is right now. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right. So uh, I'm going to really quickly just kind of go over um, what what I'm kind of been doing lately with uh, crossing or with uh, Technogate um, and kind of break down some of the main things of what um, I consider to be really important aspects that you kind of want to go through um, as you're doing world building, um, which is, you know, what game are you playing? You know, what's your primary game, which is for me is going to be Mage. Uh, what's your primary city that's of import? You know, what's where's everything going to revolve around? And that's Madison, Wisconsin. And then kind of the, the Umbra and other dimensions is the my game um, for Technogate. Um, and I plan on doing Technogate stuff uh, through Twitch with, uh, you know, we'd run that on Mondays, but I'm also going to be planning on probably bringing this to conventions and stuff so that, you know, other players can play other Technogate teams and play, you know, in an episode of Technogate at, uh, at these conventions where you can just run like a, a three-hour game, you know, with, with three or four people that, uh, that'll come and play. Uh, I really like that idea. Characters. I don't think stuff. we've talked about it yet. Yeah, we haven't. I just kind of thought about it, and and my idea behind it is just basically, you know, you, you you're one of the just random Technogate teams that you know everybody can kind of play, and we'll uh, make some characters for you, um, and possibly even um, you know work with uh, making new characters, like doing a new character creation. Um, before a game, possibly. Um, but in any case, um, the the main thing that you want to really get is, you know, what time are you? And one of the big things that I want to break into this is that, you know, there's so much that happens in the world of darkness, um, some major events that are happening. So when you pick a time, you need to kind of know what are the major events that are happening around this time and what happened just recently and, you know, there is huge events all throughout history that you should know just the big things that have of what happened, but you should kind of know the nuances of recent events that have kind of happened as well. So, for example, um, 
in my game, some of the major events that are happening in the world of darkness that are going to heavily influence Technogate is, of course, there's the possibility of an Avatar storm happening in 1999, which officially happens in the books. Will we do that? Who knows? Uh, will the players be able to avert that, maybe? You know, you never know. Uh, you can always change up however you want as a GM, and that's kind of the stuff that I'm going to run with when I do these offshoot-type kind of games. Uh, we'll have like a, it's, a, its own little pocket universe that it has its own little quirks and twists that way that Mike, even though he knows a lot of stuff, isn't going to know everything. Um, there's the digital web with the great whiteout that happened um, when uh, Doisetep exploded. Um, and when that, that exploded, it, you know, that caused a huge thing. Um, Porthos, or uh, I think it's Porthos or something like that died. Um, who was like a huge powerful mage um, and you know a huge chantry of, of power got blown up by the the hermetics there's a huge you know uh, heating up of the ascension war that's going on um, so those are some of the you know central themes of stuff that I'm doing inside of my game um, and then there's some you know like I was talking with Mike about you know what are some of the other stuff that's kind of going on here um, so I'm going to kind of go down and you know, talk about some of my main NPCs. So I've got JD, which is our like ancient mage that's kind of running things for, you know, for the, the traditions behind the scenes to a certain degree and, and visibly um, in 1998. Um, and so he's a prominent mage that's in the traditions, a, a hermetic. Um, and now with those exploding, you, your characters haven't met him, no. Um, but he's 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 a main character that is doing tons of stuff, even though that you haven't interacted with him at all. Uh, and okay, so got... you've you've actively thought about what he's doing at the time. Correct. Yeah, there's there's okay. specific things that are happening behind the scenes that the characters don't don't know about. Um, That's what I like to hear. And then there's Senator Johnson. You know, he's a prominent uh, syndicate character. Um, you know, state senator, um, Wild Rider. There's, um, who's a virtual adept, um, an old, uh, you know, comes from, you know, back in the day, you know, used to be part of the technocracy, um, and was one of the people that actually rebelled and has lived to this age, um, which is not that old, actually, if you can look at the history of it all. Um, yeah. but then, uh, Maxi, which is a technocrat, um, a, a void engineer that lives in, uh, um, uh, Inventus, or what was it? Inventum? Inventum. Inventium. Inventium. Uh, and actually, I, I don't think we broadcast that episode. That was too no. early. But uh, but so we will have we... her being a prominent character moving forward. Mm. Uh, there's other stuff that's, that's, that's happening with her. Um, yeah. And then there's General Bridges, um, who is who used to run Technogate Command. Um, General Cohagen who is currently in uh, command of uh, Technogate, um, who is... General Dick. General Dick Cohagen. He, he likes... It, he goes by Dick Cohagen, but you should just call him General Cohagen. General Dick. Yeah, General Dick. That's what everybody calls him behind his back. Uh, but so there's some other you know, stuff that I'm going to be really having that's going to be prominent. And I'm not going to be grabbing a lot from all, like, for this game, I don't want to grab all of Vampire, all of Wraith, all of uh, the Silent Striders, or all of the Werewolf. Uh, but I do want to have, like, I'm going to have featuring a lot of Follower of Set stuff, a lot of Nosferatu stuff, 
a lot of silent strider stuff and a lot of wraith um stuff and wraith um i'm gonna narrow down more um it's a little bit too general right now but probably dealing with a lot with the uh the ferryman stuff so there's a whole mix up of what i'm kind of doing with all of this and then i'm also including a bunch of like cthulhu um stuff and corruption and insanity is kind of the theme of my my game here um so we'll see if the players can can stave off corruption and insanity in in such a oh man yeah speaking of corruption and insanity and cthulhu i literally just watched uh there's a there's a John Carpenter film from the 90s called In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, and I'm not much of a horror movie guy, but it was pretty good. It's got uh, Sam Neill, um, who was the guy from uh, Event Horizon. It's uh, I would recommend it. Oh, okay. It's interesting. Lots of uh, lot, um, like tentacled beasts. Ooh, interesting. Um, so we are coming up close to the end here. Um, do you want to get in, uh, your lore? Uh, so yeah. Um, so this isn't actually new because I didn't work on that this week. Uh, so I'm going to tell everybody about the obelisk, uh, which is something I wrote for the Hunter Academy, I believe for year two. Uh, yeah. Because year two was the one where we were in the, the long room. Um, so on the Hunter Academy grounds, uh, there is a building inside of which is something called the Obelisk. The, the problem with Hunter powers is a lot of them require a creature to use them. Right, so you can't practice uh, unless you've got like a room full of zombies, which they probably tried at some point. Uh, but it's hard to keep them around when people are practicing their powers. Uh, so, so officially, uh, the obelisk was you know created by uh, the guy who founded the, uh, the the Hunter Academy. But in reality, it was built by JD and given to the Hunter Academy as a kind of a surveillance device. I mean, it's it's not entirely um, uh, malevolent or anything that J JD just wanted to kind of keep tabs. Um, and essentially what it does is any of the Hunter edges, which are the powers that Hunters have, the supernatural powers... Uh, you can use the obelisk as a stand-in for uh, anything that you would be targeting. Uh, so uh, the, the most the most used hunter power is cleave, which basically just adds uh, lethal damage to something that would normally be uh, bashing. Um, of course, I changed that to aggravated damage because why shouldn't hunters do aggravated damage? Because in, in in Madison Under Siege, hunters do aggravated damage. Because they should. Uh, um, anyway, so... There is no aggravated damage in Hunter, period. That's one of the reasons yeah. why we, 
we said that we could they, upgrade it if you interacted with other things. Yeah, they they never mention it in the books. And, yeah. and granted, Hunter... As aggravated. Yeah. Hunter is supposed to be a game about personal horror where you are a normal person who the, the veil has been lifted, you know, uh, Roddy Piper has given you the sunglasses and you can now see the monsters and you freak out because nobody else can. And it just basically messes with your mind. Uh, and you're not supposed to be able to kill them that easily. Uh, but fuck that. Hunters do aggravated damage. Uh, anyway, so uh, the obelisk is something that you can target in lieu of a supernatural creature. And so uh, the only time it ever came up in an actual game was at the beginning of the, the second Gen Con game, uh, where I basically had 10 people roll one of their hunter powers so we could actually figure out how the dice mechanics work because half the people at the table had never played hunter i suppose including me i've never actually played hunter <laughs> uh, but i mean in, in the end the dice mechanics are pretty easy you just gotta get to it and uh so did you do the uh, thing though because is, uh, doesn't hunter give them power ups from using their powers like they get to gamble their stuff and, and uh um, you don't have to you don't have to gamble it no but there's but you can and then there's all this stuff about gaining more and so did you have it be that this didn't this didn't enhance their powers they couldn't just oh, spend correct. a couple of days here and yeah um so so one of the mechanics the is that zombies would enhance you yes um Although not very fast. I mean, zombies are low rent. Uh, yeah, so in, in the mechanics of Hunter, uh, there is a... It's it's kind of like willpower, but it's not, because it goes up and down very easily. It's uh, the conviction score. Mm. I think it's conviction, yeah. it's So you can... You can empower one of your edges with extra conviction. It's it's called uh, wagering. It's You're basically gambling it. Uh, and if you succeed on the roll, you get all those dots back and an extra one. And then when your conviction gets up to 10, then you can trade those in for an extra dot in uh, uh, one of the permanent uh, power dots. Right. Which, so it's all about using your powers yeah. in order to get more power. Yeah. Uh, and so using the obelisk you can't gain more conviction. Otherwise, it would just be like, just go stand in there for like... A day. Uh, a, well, maybe not a day, but like a few weeks and uh, and come out just like with 10 dots and everything. Uh, so yeah, that would that would obviously not work. So it, it can't allow you to, to get your powers up. But it... Honestly, I created this only as a mechanism to... Uh, get people familiar with the dice rolling mechanics and that's fine it is totally fine to make something like that uh because one of my pet peeves about gaming is figuring everything out 
during the first combat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, I get it, and it's fine, but if you can have a low, uh, low pressure environment, that's a little better. Yeah. For for players, like, I could have just been like, hey. A bunch of zombies just showed up. Let's all have this fight. You know, to learn how to roll the dice. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, maybe it's more fun. It's more chaotic. But uh, this is the way I did it. Yeah. And I like it this way. Because yeah. I was just able to go around the table and be like, what do you want to roll? And let's figure it out. Yep. No, I think that your players really appreciated that. It wasn't... Uh... I've, yeah. I, I heard great things from when you were running Hunter. So. Yeah, they, they had a good time, I think. They said so. Some of them. Yeah. All right, so I think we're going to wrap it on up here. Um, we're a little bit over time, but I think we're fine with that. Um, got some good stuff in here, and uh, we'll continue uh, more world building and examining the world of darkness uh, here on Crossing Darkness later. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>